This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. That is blockbases.com. We'd like to do with uh, spaces like these is to, uh, before we dive in, obviously mm-hmm. to uh, Ecred, is to have a little bit of a personal touch, you know, talk about the, the background of uh, the people building Ecred, in this case, you. So uh, so what's your story, VJ? You know, some people, they have a very technical background. Some people have more financial background or economics background. Then again, some people are more sort of design focused, uh, you know, building, for example, NFT projects. So uh, so yeah, what's your story, VJ? How did you end up building and working on uh, on Vcred? So my story is I'm actually a developer. Uh, <clears throat> I have my, my background is in the backend uh, software development, like more for uh, machine learning, sensors, all the way down to you know the electronics level. So <laughs> I'm a full stack engineer from the hardware side, basically. <clears throat> and from that, like I was working in the automobile industry and. During the side, on the side, I was also like, you know, doing trading and so on. And in parallel, I started like, you know, experimenting with arbitrage bots and so on. So around like uh, 2019 or 2020, I started like actually like going full time into uh, deploying my code. Um, first on ETH, uh, on Aave. And then after that, I started like, you know, going deeper and deeper. So that's sort of my background. So I'm a software developer uh, for several years and uh, yeah. And also like working with like, you know, low level code as well. How did you end up getting into crypto then? DeFi, et cetera. So uh, yeah, talk to us so, about that journey. So yeah, like I said, uh, around like uh, 2019. So even before that, I used to like, uh, you know, like just have a little bit of mining and uh, have a look at, uh, you know, BTC, those olden days, BTC and Litecoin. So I used to do that in the past, but around 2019, uh, when I had, when I listened to one of, uh, you know, like early um, lectures and so on in blockchain, and then I, it, it motivated me in the space. And then uh, that's when I started like, you know, uh, working on like, for example, like our uh, bots and so on, because I thought that this seemed like a really cool innovation compared to say the traditional finance industry where, for example, each trade was costing like, you know, 10 pounds or something like that, just to, you know, place something in the stock market. And also it was prohibitively expensive. And then I could find that this was easier for me to get into. And then like, uh, that's how, uh, that's how I ended up here, I guess. <laughs> Beautiful. And now we, uh, are at a time where Bitcoin is finally approved with their sp- uh, spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, things are going mainstream in a big way. Now pension funds and whatnot can not just buy a Bitcoin product, but also hold it as a spot uh, commodity, really. So uh, that's obviously very exciting for the entire industry. It seems like, you know, a lot of stars are aligning. Uh, Crypto is getting mainstream. DeFi is getting mainstream. 
But of course, uh, I think someone clever once said that you're only as rich as the liquidity in the assets that you hold uh, are. So, uh, and that's where you guys perhaps come in because you guys deal with uh, not just liquidity, but AI powered liquidity. So yeah, without further ado, let's uh, let's talk about Vcred and what uh, what you guys are building over there. So basically, uh, like I was saying, like Vcred means virtual credit, by the way. So we started out as a lending platform where we tried to like perform like flash loans and also arbitrage. And then what we figured out is like most of these strategies are complex. Like imagine like right now it's a struggle even among like the you know, the niche industry itself, like, you know, getting 1,000, 5,000 users, but going to even larger scale, it's going to be like extremely hard if you're going to ask users to do several actions and then, uh, you know, perform complex strategies. So that's where what we come in. Like what we try to do is we build our vault product where we try to automate and make it as simple as possible for users so that they get like different risk profiles and they can just take and get access to either like a lending interest where they get like a low APY and then uh, another product where they can stake and they get access to a more risky thing. But to do all these kind of automation, right, there are two approaches what you can do. One, what you can do is like, you know, you try to have like several, uh, you know, if then conditions, like, you know, if if this happens, do this, if this happens, do this and so on and have like, you know, a few people, like, I don't know, five, six people, uh, you know, just looking at different parts and manually doing it. Or you try to use machine learning and try to make agents, which actually have sort of like, obviously they're not perfect, but they can make some of the decision-making for you. And with that, we're able to, you know, do some kind of a, you know, some kind of a, how do you call it? Uh, automated uh, intelligence or AI which is what so like the machine learning part can be actually implemented so that's what we are trying to do i mean i'm trying to be make it really simple obviously a lot goes on but uh that's what i hope that is uh you know explanatory but yeah uh let's uh dive a, a bit deeper um and and look at what's uh, what's under the hood so for anyone who hasn't been paying attention if they go on vcred.trade uh, they hit the launch app uh button like uh, many other places you see the first thing you see basically is uh, you need to select a vault a delta a delta neutral vault and an audible vault um, and in there you'd have a description of of the differences between the two uh, but both of them start with our ai model builds or maximizes rewards so uh, yeah let's look a bit under the hood ai is uh Definitely not just a, a trend. I mean, AI and crypto seems almost destined to work in unison and make each other stronger. So yeah, let's look a bit under the hood, VJ, and uh, look into uh, how you guys are leveraging AI in the, in your models. So this is actually, well, let me preface it by saying this is still a nascent industry. So if you look at the number of projects which are uh, actually using AI, right, it's actually quite small because most of them use like uh, purely quantitative approaches. So it depends uh, how you, how uh, how much uh, detail you want to go into it. So what we try to do is we try to use uh, something like a, a time series approach where we try to look at, uh, you know, statistical patterns and based on those patterns, we try to figure out like, you know, what is going to happen and then the agents make decisions so there is still a long way to go that's what i want to emphasize like you know uh, this is just the start uh, of the innovation what is going on 
as as we grow further and further in terms of like as the space matures what you're going to see is more and more complex machine learning models uh, being implemented and so on so there is uh, uh, there is this part and then the other part is also when people talk about ai right the, uh, what they miss is the data part as well so how you leverage the data so what we have built is actually like a huge uh, data container where we collect data from diverse sources from you know exchanges order book and also you know even real world data like for example in like you know the stock market and all that so you got to collect data from diverse sources because it's not like uh, you know something as simple as uh, when i say simple as what i mean is it's not like you know microsoft or something like that like a stock what you're trying to model what you're trying to model is a token which uh, you know has no pnd or none of the equivalents what you see in the real world uh, also what you have is uh, you know a market which can be easily affected because uh, there is a much lower liquidity so you saw that for example during the etf news right like the token price was going up and down like you know of most of the tokens even btc so it's a really really hard problem to solve and that's what we are trying to do like for example with our expertise uh, we could have easily attempted and built like you know another l1 or built another uh, you know a protocol but what we want to do is tackle the really hard problem which is uh, you know making trading and making these kind of complex strategies accessible to regular users and that's where the ai comes in awesome man that's beautiful and i think a lot of people can relate to uh, the hassle or the the problem where a lot of people they dive into crypto and you know with the promise of getting rich uh, perhaps quick perhaps not and uh, they start diving into trading, you know, looking at charts all day and trying to basically game the market uh, or beat the market. And everybody ends up, most people at least by far, they end up with the same conclusion that they couldn't beat the market. <laughs> so <laughs> anything that AI can help uh, alleviate and automate, um, especially when it comes to liquidity and trading, et cetera, I think that's going to take off a lot of uh, stress and a lot of time released to do other useful things. So yeah, something like uh, Bcred is uh, is definitely needed. There's definitely a market for it. Question is then how it differentiates because there's obviously other players out there who are combining both liquidity and AI. So uh, talk to us a bit about the the space that you're in, VJ. Uh, who you compare um, compare yourself to, maybe, and uh, and how you're different from them. So. Uh... I will uh, try to compare ourselves with other protocols because obviously there are like, you know, traditional uh, companies which actually do the market making uh, part, focus on that. So we are different from them because what we are focusing on purely is on uh, limit order book exchanges, like for example, perpetual DEXs and so on. That's what we're focusing on. Uh, differentiating ourselves from other protocols so for example you might say like we are like a simple yield generating protocol like any other vault where you know the focus is purely on you know who can generate the highest amount of interest so that's not what we are trying to do because it, our uh, solution is not just for the end customer on the retail user but also to solve the problem with uh, perpetual uh, um, for example perp clubs or spot clubs which are uh, having like liquidity problems like where uh, you know they need to have like order flow which is uh, a uh, not adverse order flow and b which is actually generating like uh, you know actual taker volume and so on so these aspects so we're trying to address both sides and that's uh, one of the key differences uh, we are not just uh, you know 
solving a problem purely on the retail side, but we're actually a benefit or a help for these kind of uh, other projects as well. Awesome. And how do you see the space evolve then? Um, because now it, it seems like there's a floodgate of uh, liquidity in particular coming in from pension funds as we uh, as we uh, talked to a little bit or chatted about in the beginning, the Bitcoin spot ETF uh, being approved. Now everybody is sort of expecting that pension funds and, and big money, big institutions is, is going to flow in and, and liquidity is going to see, uh, yeah, a, a tremendous growth, really. Um, we're going to see next level uh, liquidity from not just retail, uh, everyday users and uh, savers, but the big guys, right? The Black Rocks, the uh, Fidelities, the big uh, institutions that holds uh, to, be, to be quite a frank, uh, a shit ton of money that is going to flow in. <laughs> So, so, how, so how does that change basically uh, the industry do you think so from our side what we would say is uh, like uh, that means like you know focus on vaults or strategies which are delta neutral because that's what imagine like someone wants to like you know stake on something or like a one-year horizon or like a you know, two-year horizon and so on like obviously they will need like something which is uh, really secure battle tested and also which uh, generates like return so obviously we can't guarantee nobody can guarantee you know 100 security with smart contract and i i imagine like institutions are not going to deposit into smart contract let's be real like a pension fund will probably you know use other intermediaries and then go through that but having said that uh, there's still going to be an issue in terms of like you know whenever there is a new asset or a new token uh, that will still need to have some level of liquidity on the on perpetual dexes and so on there is going to be a lot of new assets which will require more and more market making. There'll be a lot of real world assets which will probably come into the picture because of these uh, big players, as you said. And all of these will mean that it's going to be a much bigger pie. So it's not going to be like PVP, as they call it, right? Player versus player. It's going to be PVE, probably, like player versus everyone. And so in this kind of a market, uh, it's a different mindset. And that's the thing we have been preparing from the beginning, actually, and even during the bear market, what we are working on. Yeah, and that uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, can you give us a bit of a timeline on the on its uh, on on the sort of progression that you've seen? Because uh, builders during the bear market, the past couple of years, I think they're being set up really now to to be the big winners. Uh, now that the market is starting to turn, so those basically that has been building heads down. Um, you know, shipping product, they are going to be the, the big winners of, uh, of all these uh, movements in the market now. So perhaps you can just walk us through like, uh, how did you get to this point, uh, sort of timeline wise? And then uh, I'm sure we'll get into uh, what's on the roadmap from here, basically. Yeah. So in terms of timeline wise, uh, I would say what, or maybe like, maybe I'll go a little bit about, uh, you know, the difficulties of building it and uh, over like, you know, what happened on the bear market. So basically what happened is uh, when I was, uh, when we were like, you know, starting out like, you know, like end of 2022 and so on, when we were actually looking at it, obviously like, you know, with the T-bills and the interest rates rising, uh, people would need like a new access to a new product. So that's one thing. And that part we are working on it. In parallel, uh, what, what we realized is like, you know, this kind of data and this kind of architecture, this kind of strategies, right? makes it extremely tough like for example uh just to give you an idea right when uh, OpenAI started like when they were like you know building like something uh you know magical what you see now with chat gpt it took like what nine years 
Whereas if you look at this one, right, uh, what we are trying to do or what uh, everyone in the industry right now who are trying to, they're just doing it on a compressed timeline, even though the things are available. So uh, that's the thing, like, uh, you know, it needs uh, any uh, well-advanced machine learning model needs like a lot of testing, a lot of trial and error, a lot of fine tuning. So that takes time. So that is what we are like building. We're trying out different strategies. We're trying to see what works, what doesn't work and all that. And that happened over the last year. And now uh, in the Q1, we are now at the stage where we are at the cusp of launch. And what we are planning to do is around end of Q1, we want to launch our products. Uh, and before that, uh, we try to have like, you know, as much beta testing as possible. So that's sort of our first launch. And then as we proceed forward, we'll have like a V2 launch and so on. Is there any uh, dates that you can set already? You know, people are always looking for alpha for, on spaces like these. So are you uh, taking the risk, taking the leap of uh, putting a date on it or uh, or will it be out there and uh, people should just follow on Twitter, follow on Telegram, Discord, et cetera, to make sure that they are in tune with uh, with when you are going live. Yes, exactly. I would rather uh, ask them to, you know, follow us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, uh, simply because, you know, we, A, we can't give a timeline like that, uh, like this. And then secondly, like, you know, it'll be unfair on the others who are following us, you know, since day one, you know, they everyone needs to be on the same level. Yeah. Makes sense. That's uh, fair. And uh, not the first time I hear this. Uh, it's always stressful to put a date uh, when there's a lot of things that need to come together before you can uh, set a timeline, a specific timeline. But then talk to us about the uh, technology choice that you have. So uh, obviously uh, you're building uh, this uh, liquidity layer. You're building on Avalanche. I think that's an interesting choice that uh, is always uh, uh, for debate, obviously, what chain to focus on, at least in the beginning. Um, mm -hmm course we tend to get uh, too tribal if you ask me uh, in crypto like avalanche versus whatever uh, so let's uh, hear from you why uh, why avalanche was attracted to uh, to you and your team and then uh, perhaps also if you are planning to expand to other uh, chains evm chains or other types of chains so uh, the reason why we built an avalanche initially was uh, when we first started we we're just trying to look for something evm and something which has really low gas. So those were our things. And when we were building it in like uh, 2021, 2022, like when we started, like at that time, uh, there were a few choices, but there were not many L2 rollups and all that at that time. So that's why that's one of the first reasons. The second reasons is also like Avalanche has uh, subnets and avalanches. The innovation, the tech stack is just incredible. And so purely for the tech stack and also for also for the community, we we just focused on Avalanche and we wanted like a build on it, and uh, that's why we we just kept building on it throughout the bear market as well. Yeah, makes sense. Do you think uh, Avalanche has delivered on the like since you started building on it? I mean, there's a lot of com competition here, right? Uh, Polygon, of course. If we are in the EVM world, uh, near, I mean, there's a bunch uh, out there that uh, that you could have chosen to build on. So do you think uh, if you had to do it all over again, I guess is a fair question, would you still stick to Avalanche? It's, it certainly seems to be uh, shaping up and a lot of uh, exciting things are coming out of the Avalanche ecosystem these days. Yeah, exactly. So the one of the things, for example, like, you know, what we're trying to do with, for example, perp exchanges and also with other uh, uh, spot exchanges, right? We have both of them, one on, for example, one subnet, and then we have another on another subnet, right? 
So for those two subnets, what we are trying to do is actually like you can actually communicate, you can set up like uh, innovative ways of communicating between that so that the user actually stakes only on C chain, for example, which is the Avalanche EVM chain. That way it, it makes the UX easier for them. Like they don't need to like go to every single subnet where every single, uh, you know, exchange or uh, protocol is there. Uh, and, uh, you know, try to communicate, uh, try to, you know, change on, you know, their wallet, whether it's a Rabi or Core wallet, what they're using. Uh, that's one of the things. And then the second thing is like when you're actually looking at other ways in which, for example, like, you know, whether it is how you stake, how you do pay as you go, there is a lot of innovation. I mean, you can actually just go through the uh, Discord or go through the Telegram on Avalanche or like, you know, even on the website, you'll see like uh, an idea of uh, how good the tech stack is evolving. So definitely that's also one of the reasons why we want like, you know, just keep building on it, yeah. What are some of the most exciting things? Uh, I know this is getting a, little, a bit out of a, uh, you know, off uh, subject, but uh, just curious to hear what are you what are you most excited about in the Avalanche ecosystem out there? For someone who's an expert and, and deep into the ecosystem, I think it's interesting for for everybody, the community, to to understand like what excites you the most uh, build, being built over at Avalanche. So from uh, our side, obviously, you know, like in our space, like uh, we look at, you know, like uh, the innovation in Hubble Exchange, for example, where like uh, you can uh, do a lot of different things over there, uh, which is which is like, you know, like uh, it almost makes it almost like a centralized exchange kind of a look or, uh, you know, like Dexalot where, where we are also looking at, like where uh, you can, where you have like, these are all like simplifying the experience making the users feel like you know they are on a centralized exchange but actually they are on something on the blockchain but obviously you know they all have like a lot of a lot of them are in their early days right so when they grow bigger over this uh, next year or so it'll be an amazing product so those are th those things excite me also what excites me is uh, overall the fact that like uh, you know there are things like uh, gogo pool and other projects where uh, you can just go in their stake and you know just have access to a validator something which is uh, you know similar to the experiences what you get in other uh, chains as well and yeah in general i would say it's also the community aspect of it as well like i can reach out to you know a lot of the people within the ecosystem talk to them or i can talk directly to the ava labs guys and get some feedback and that's amazing yeah yeah that's something i hear over and over uh, when i speak to people building on avalanche that the the team uh, is very approachable, very easy to get in touch with, very helpful uh, to to get moving and uh, continue building. It's, it just seems to be an ecosystem that is super focused on building useful things, which uh, which is always a good trait to have in a, in a competitive space like the EVM uh, chain space. So let's go a bit back, uh, back willing back to, uh, to Vcred. Um, so we talked a little bit about how you got here. We talked a little bit about the short-term uh, roadmap, if you will, uh, what's to come, what people can look forward to. But I also like to use these spaces to to dream a little bit. You know, uh, mm -hmm. we tend to get caught up in in very short-term thinking, <laughs> which makes <laughs> sense because uh, one year in crypto is like seven years in TradFi. But um, but yeah, still, um, I like to sort of look a bit further than uh, than the short term and. Uh, and ask ourselves, you know, if uh, if Vcred uh, becomes what you dream about uh, Vcred becoming long term, how does uh, Vcred look like then? What's the end game, basically, for, for so, Vcred? 
basically what we are looking at is uh, you know before before i say what weaker looks at like what uh, actually the gen ai or in general what the machine learning people do like there was one quote from one of the conferences which i attended on gen ai what they said they said from 2030 or 2035 uh, you know 90 99% of uh, you know trading volume or trading will be actually done by bots and uh, machines and so on and uh, the human trading aspect would be more uh, almost like you know you just craft something like you almost become like a craftsman or an artist where you just define like you know i want to do these things with this and this is what happens something like that you write it on like a you know like a sheet of paper or something and then everything just gets executed and then it's like one artist against another artist so it just that's that's the kind of crazy evolution what people are thinking so with that kind of a thing like over there like you know what where we are at what we are building right now as we build it more and more complex like what will happen is vcred uh, will become like a tool which can be used by anyone uh, you know in any part of like whenever they come in they can just go in and they can just put a bunch of specs write down this what i want this what i want to happen with this asset and then it just goes out there all these agents go out there do it in the background beautiful beautiful are there any other uh, AI projects uh, in crypto, of course, uh, that you look to and sort of take inspiration from? Because I can just see how uh, projects in crypto that uh, work with AI will come together in unison almost and uh, feed off each other in a good way, right? Uh, build up on each other. For example, a project that uh, we spoke to quite recently is uh, Akash Network. They uh, perhaps not uh fully focused on ai but uh, they are basically in the decentralized compute space uh gpus and cpus that is available uh, across the globe where people can uh you know if they have hardware uh, you're a hardware guy so you appreciate this if they have hardware available they can connect it up to the akash network and get rewarded both in the akt token the act token and in usdc um but they also having an AI play because building and developing AI models takes a lot of mm -hmm. compute and uh, they are very price competitive compared to AWS, uh, Google Cloud, etc. Uh, so they actually uh, have become, uh, they started as a decentralized storage network basically, but they are becoming um, more and more of an AI play. So not that uh, I expect you guys to be partnering up with them necessarily, but I can just imagine that a lot of these crypto AI projects will uh, will start feeding off each other is that is that something you see as well or or not uh, i i'm thinking so like uh, the other approach where actually like you know we try to merge like as you said with the etf and all that what i foresee is like you know crypto projects maybe merge with other uh, real world projects which are the you know the web 2 projects which are also in ai side which want to come into web 3 so we sort of merge with them throughout because, uh, you know, for example, like you said, Akash Network, but that is more of an infrastructure project, right? In the sense, like, uh, yeah. we don't, we can't directly integrate with them. Whereas there might be another uh, project, which is, uh, you know, more like on the RWA side, for example, real world asset and which have, uh, which needs like some form of, uh, you know, liquidity or volume or market making, then they maybe they might want to do that in uh, the Web3 space and they come in. So. I, I I personally foresee this other approach, but obviously uh, I could be wrong. Like it could happen the other way, but yeah, this, this is what I foresee. Interesting. Interesting. 
what else excites you uh, in crypto these days? And obviously, you can't say Vcred. That's been taken already. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, someone who's deep down, um, there's a lot of things happening in crypto all the time. What excites you the most these days? So I would actually say I'm not actually interested in, uh, you know, the layer one. So I have a little bit of a contrary view in the sense like a lot of the uh, people are like, you know, excited with uh, new layer one, new uh, primitives and so on. But I feel like they're almost like cities and I'm actually more interested in consumer apps. Like, because I feel like uh, they are the ones which are the true uh, innovation and like, you know, face the consumer and you know, build something which is actually useful so that when someone asks, like, you know, I don't have to tell them, like, you know, when my, <laughs> when, for example, like, you know, when my mom or dad asks or when someone else asks, like, you know, what's, uh, why do I need to use Web3 or something like that? I can't say, you know, you can use this layer one where you can have some restaking done and where you can earn something and they will be like, huh? So, you know, uh, consumer apps excite me. Yeah. 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 I think that's, uh, that's the missing piece that we still need. Um... You know, right now, uh, block space is getting abundant. It's getting cheaper. Uh, we have plenty of block space. We didn't have that in the last uh, bull cycle. But uh, what is uh, block space worth, a lot of block space worth, if we don't have the applications, the adoption, the people using and filling that block space, then it's, it's for no point, right? Um, so yeah, I 100% agree. We, we need to have uh, applications that people can use that feels familiar. Uh, not just uh, crypto natives like you and I, but but uh, you know our grandmas and grandfathers uh, who are perhaps not used to you know <laughs> downloading a wallet, remembering or writing down their seed phrase and connecting their wallet. No, that we we still haven't figured that out. I think, and I know a lot of work has been done, and there's a lot of you know attempts, you know, with bridging Web two with Web three, where you have sort of a social login or username password. Uh, and underneath the hood, you uh, you basically connect your wallet. But I I still feel like we we have a long way to go uh, for for this to to really nail it and and bring in. We keep talking about the one billion, you know, bring on the the, the next billion people. But we still need to get to the first billion. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's let's get the details uh, right before we uh, we try to uh, branch out to billions and billions of people. Uh, I feel like what do you what do you think is going to be or could be a deciding factor to really unlock this? Is it going to be the wallet, a, a stellar wallet solution that it's easy for people to grasp and onboard? Or is it something else? What, what do you think? Uh, wallet is one piece of the puzzle, but uh, we were like, uh, for example, at Vcred, we were also trying to look at, uh, you know, um, have a look at, you know, probably integrate like some kind of a Twitter or social login and so on. And we are just looking at it. And then we figured out that, you know, uh, the problem is uh, not just the wallet part, but the problem is the overall UX. Like in the sense, when users come in, like they need to understand like what they are trying to do. And they also need to be educated on like, uh, you know, if I do this particular action, like if I stake, like if, for example, you could teach them, you know, maybe how to use uh, Rabi.io and then, uh, you know, download it. Like because everyone is familiar with the Google extensions. They could have a browser wallet and then they could just come in and, you could even teach them that, but then it's still like trying to understand, okay, when I'm buying this token, this is what happens. The token might do this. Or when I'm trying to like deposit in here, I would have to think about uh, lending. Oh, then my borrowing rate is different. If I borrow, I have to borrow with collateral. You know, all the financial stuff on the DeFi side, 
or if you use NFTs, you know, or if you use DAS. So it's like, I think not just wallet, but like the overall, uh, uh, you know, the solution has to be packaged uh, for the customer and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We still have some work to do, guys. But uh, then again, I mean, when we look at the the internet, which is a lot of people, they compare blockchains to how the internet started to emerge and evolve and eventually get adopted uh, worldwide. Um, I mean, it's a similar thing. Uh, I understand the comparison, but what I don't agree with and how it's different compared to the internet is that this is an infrastructure part, right? I mean, as you say, like uh, who cares what layer one or layer two or whatever you use, you're adding your data to. I mean, the best technology falls into the background. Uh, nobody should care if it's the uh, Ethereum, Avalanche, Polygon. Uh, you know, pick your pick your chain. Really, uh, it should just happen in the background, right? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how how this plays out. I think uh, there's a, some interesting evolving uh, projects and technologies now with the uh, icon layer, for example, basically the data availability and settlement uh, layer that's getting some facelifts, some improvements, it seems. Uh, Celestia is another example of uh, a project that really seems to uh, to be improving in that space where, again, uh, data availability and settlement is getting abundant. But back to the original point, uh, it's pointless to do all this without applications that people use on a daily basis. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you think uh, there's going to be uh, these big web two companies or tech firms, um, the Facebooks, the Googles, whatever? Do you think they're going to be? Uh, because I think I, re I really think that's what it takes to to really have widespread adoption. Um, I mean, who who's going to compete with Google? Who's going to compete uh, in the social media arena with Facebook, right? Or Meta? Um, do you think uh, some of these big guys in the next cycle is going to adopt uh, more heavily into their tech stack? Yeah, again, I have a different answer. Uh, it's that I think when you look at, uh, you know, the internet era, even though you said, uh, you know, we shouldn't compare with the internet era, but the companies at that time, right, they were the ones which have gone, right? And also, like, for example, if you look at the cell phone era, like Nokia failed, right? And Nokia failed, and then they got out. So I, I feel like, you know, one or, one or two of these major companies, like Meta and so on, they will fail. And then at that time, you know, the, a decentralized uh, social network will take over. So that's, I think, or at least that should be our goal, like not not wait for adoption from them, but like, you know, like actually be on like an even terms with them. That's when we'll have like mainstream adoption. Interesting. And you don't think the network effects that these companies, Facebook, or Meta, and Google and all that, they're not, uh, you know, they're so strong at this point that it's hard to, uh, to really uh, get them off the pedestal, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, uh, of course, of course. No, their network effects are like, you know, crazy. Like, uh, that is uh, that is something which is uh, where we struggled, right, as uh, an industry. Like, even for the ETF, for example, that announcement probably, like, uh, mm. if you ask anyone on the street, like, nobody will care or even know about ETF. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's back to... Uh, like just just to take the example of a cash uh, network uh, competing with Google Cloud and AWS. I mean, if we see um, I don't know so, some other uh, big uh, Web two firm, uh, let's say Netflix, for example, I think they use AWS. And every now and then, you know, there's an outage uh, on Amazon in the Amazon Web Services, 
and the entire internet wakes up and says, holy shit, we are super reliant on the AWS working on a daily basis. And when it doesn't, everybody, you know, wakes up to uh, their phones and computers not working as they as they normally did because the internet connection is, or the website is down or the app is down or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it, it will take, I don't know, a Netflix or someone big to uh, go from hosting, for example, um, their services on a centralized player like AWS to a decentralized player like like Akash. And for many other things, this is just for the hosting space, right? Um, but it will take these big players to do that because who's going to care uh, what happens behind uh, behind the scenes? Uh, the, the only people who's going to care is the is the people paying the bills, typically, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but that's a big big step uh, in the right direction, I think. Like if if a Netflix starts doing it, then a lot of other people, smaller companies, etc., they're going to follow suit, and eventually it's going to be widespread adopted. I don't know. That's just my opinion, at least. I'm going a bit of a rant here, but I think uh, <laughs> it's an interesting topic because we seem to be getting into the, the next big cycle, um, and we need to get a lot of these things right if we need to maintain widespread adoption uh, if we ever get it. Yep, definitely. definitely. So how do you see Vcred uh, fitting into all this? Um, if we sort of take you know this long-term hat-on that we have right now, um, mm-hmm. and you already uh, mentioned how you see Vcred evolve over time, not just the short-term, but also the long-term. Mm-hmm. How do you see that fit into how crypto evolves uh, on the long-term? So definitely, like uh, like we said, like this is our uh, first iteration where we want to launch, uh, get uh, because obviously you know we have taken time to build all this, so we want to launch uh, as quickly as we can and get it out there in the hands of users, uh, test them, stake, and so on. And that's just the first step. The second step, as we iterate and evolve, is like we want to see a new paradigm, like in the sense like how we had like you know in the DeFi summer in 2021 with DeFi protocols coming in and introducing the concept of lending we want to introduce the concept of you know users taking uh, in users you know getting access to these kind of complex strategies and uh, you know making everyone seem almost like you know a wall street trader or something like that or a wall street a hedge fund manager like it's a basically that's that's the level at which we want to evolve and that way what we'll have is like a, a competition to actually traditional finance because in traditional finance you know if you look at uh, all these guys, you know, I've always, uh, that is the thing which I forgot to mention as well. Like I've always seen all these bankers and all these guys, you know, in London or New York, like walking around in their fancy suits and all that. But, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, like it's a gated community kind of a thing. And what we are trying to build with WeCred uh, is like ma- making sure that, you know, you can break that and uh, have that accessible to everyone like so you don't you're not uh, limited by either by capital or complex algorithms all you need is like you know like the uh, like you know some level of risk management and some uh, understanding of what you want to achieve and get there do they even stand a, stand a chance these suits uh, hedge funds uh, hedge, hedge fund managers or investment managers do they even stand a chance in the future uh, 10 years from now when crypto and ai really starts to uh, get adopted widely <laughs> yeah i hope so uh, the only thing actually i'm worried about is uh, you know the regulations and all that like i don't know how how much mm. so i'm just trying to like you know we we, are, we still want to get past you know this first couple of steps and you know get it out there yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense 
I think they're gonna have a hard time. Uh, to be honest, of course, <laughs> people are uh, smart. People in particular are extremely good at adapting. So I'm sure there will be something uh, for investment managers, hedge fund managers to do. But I mean, just looking at the speed and the amount of data which makes these algorithms smarter and smarter, um, it's gonna be hard for any human to to crunch that. And couple that with crypto, which moves extremely fast as well. Um, and a lot of new opportunities coming up all the time. Uh, I don't know how people would, or a few uh, managers will be able to, to, to compete really with a, with an algorithm. I mean, we, we sit here at coin club on a daily basis, trying to follow up with everything that's happening. And it's, it's hard, man. I mean, there's so much happening out there. It's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, doing that and managing other people's money as a, as an investment manager. I don't know how any one person or one company will be able to to do that more efficiently, at least than uh, than an algorithm that is specifically built for doing that that specific thing. So yeah, but time will tell. I guess uh, we don't need to speculate. We just need to see how things evolve from here. So uh, that's the nice thing of being a commentator and not a <laughs> an analyst that needs to predict things. <laughs> VJ, is there anything else that we missed out? Is there any stones that we left unturned? Or how do you want to close this thing off? Um, yeah, I'll just close this thing off by asking, um, you know, whoever is listening to the space to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Discord, and, uh, you know, stay updated with what we are building. And, uh, yeah, and signing off by saying, uh, you know, we, we are, like, you know, not just trying to solve, like, an easy problem, like a really hard problem, and uh, just hoping for our success, yeah. Definitely. And we'll make sure to uh, keep our communities updated, uh, amplifying your your tweets, for example, which is our main platform, or X as it's called right now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, shout out to everybody listening or re-listening on a podcast episode. Make sure to follow you, follow uh, Vcred on uh, on X, on Discord, on Telegram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to make sure you get the latest update. BJ, thank you so much for coming on today, and I'm sure this is not the last time that we uh, that we meet and speak. Thank you for hosting me, and talk to you soon. Take care, man. Ciao. Ciao. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score, and if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past, well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com, that is blockbases.com.